1: Okay, welcome to Wayne's World. It's Wayne's World with Wayne Goldsmith. Wayne's World! Warm but windy in Christchurch today, it says. Uh, from Andrew, and the biggest issue in Canterbury today, will be keeping the bales on. A pretty, pretty windy day. Wayne Goldsmith is with us for the final time in 2019. I can't believe it, Wayne. We've got all the way through to the end of November. How are you?
0: Sorry, mate, I was asleep. I didn't hear you. Very
1: good. Very nice segue, Wayne. Very nice segue. Yes. Uh, It's good to work with
0: professionals.
1: I hope I get the chance to one day. So do I. So do I. Right, we we, we spoke yesterday a, a bit about sleep. Uh, and I know this is something that you've uh, done a bit of uh, done a bit of work on, and that that uh, the top sports teams are, are really taking into account now. It seems almost counterintuitive, doesn't it? You know, we uh, we train and, and uh, do all the physical stuff, but but the the recovery and the rest is is just as important. Um, you sent a nice little phrase through yesterday: "Sleep is the new black for athletes," which I think sums it up quite nicely. Yeah, it's funny, mate. And the, I think one
0: of the reasons that sleep. For a long time, was was ignored. Was it was almost too obvious, you know. If you think, well, I want to get uh, improve my performance, I need to go and buy some new weight training equipment. You know, there's that thing of that. I if I can see it and I can feel it, and I can buy it and it's new and it's different. It's probably good. Whereas, you know, old oh, sleep oh, well, I just sleep every night and it's not that important. And it was sort of right in front of us for for a long period of time and wasn't seriously looked at, but you know, i got to tell you now, there wouldn't be too many sports science seminars or uh, mental skills seminars. There's not too many sports seminars I go to now where sleep or certainly rest and recovery aren't at the forefront.
1: So as a general rule, as you increase the amount of training that you do, does that naturally follow that you need to increase the amount, the amount of rest that you get?
0: Yeah, absolutely, and I, this is a fundamental principle of the whole thing. It's you know it's almost like saying, okay, I've got a I've got a plank across a gorge, and I'm going to go and put two bricks on it, and the plank can hold it. And all right, well that seems to go all right. I might put another couple of bricks out there and see how the plank goes, and I keep going and going and going, just adding more bricks and more bricks and more bricks and more bricks, but I don't increase the thickness or the strength of the plank, and then the plank breaks. You, What's wrong with the plank? What happened? What did, and when you think about Pony, it's you've got people say, yep, every night I have to have eight hours of sleep and you might be training two hours a day. What what brand of lunacy then says, well, now I can train four hours a day but still only have eight hours of sleep? That The one thing that's that's restoring you physically, mentally, emotionally, uh, it's so important in growth and development for younger athletes, the one thing that's given you that restoration every day, you don't change, but at the same time, you think, I'll oh, just add more and more training and more work and harder training and more laps. It doesn't make any sense. So, you often say to coaches, Yeah, great, add another session. you are going to talk to your kids about then having an extra half an hour of sleep per night. And there's a great line that one of my mates always uses. He says, When he, when the kids say to them, uh, Come and say, Coach, I want to set my goals to be a national level athlete, or I, Want to get better? They'll immediately say, "Great! I need you to get an extra hour's sleep a night because an extra hour's sleep a night is an extra night's sleep every week." And it's you know it's a it's a big generalisation, but the concept is very powerful to say to the kids, "Yeah, great! Let's do it! Let's get after it." However, you need effectively to find another night's sleep every week. That means seven days a week, roughly an hour a day, that you need to find a way of getting an extra hour's sleep every night to get an extra night's sleep every week.
1: With uh, with elite athletes who are, are basically training every day, can you get the hour during the day? For example, does an hour nap in the afternoon add value or not?
0: It seems to be, and the research is... The, 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 the sleep research is... is is all over the place to be honest. Some of it talks about the quality of sleep and I've read so much about sleep periods and different types and different phases of sleep. What I see though, what you know, and I, I often think that the researchers are quite brilliant at research, but let's what are the practitioners doing? What are the people doing where it means winning and losing, what are they actually doing at the at the Coal face of the cutting edge. What I'm seeing right in a lot of the NRL teams, definitely the AFL teams have been doing this for a long time. I'm talking many years now. Is they've set up sleep centers in their their, their home base, so the home ground side. So the teams like the Brisbane Lions and Collingwood, I can, uh, several others that I've seen firsthand, that in their actual training center there will be a dark room, a room that's relatively cool that can be closed off with bunk beds in it. And in practical terms, what they're saying to the players, look, come in and train hard in the morning, do your recovery work, then let's have a nice hour of sleep or so, get up, get yourself moving, and get back out, we'll train again in the afternoon. And that's that's been commonplace for a while. So I would tend to look at the practitioners. The research is, there's some good stuff, there's some stuff that's a bit questionable, but the practitioners have all increased the importance and the priority of sleep.
1: Uh, you're a parent, Wayne. So am I. So are many of our listeners. It's so hard to get your kids to go to sleep at night. Um, how do you do it?
0: Keep their electronics in your room and not in theirs, and at the very least, keep their charger in your room or have a, uh, have a uh, family phone charging box out on the kitchen table where devices are not allowed in the room. And, mate, I, I can't think of the number of times, and you've been at the seminar that I've done that, The number of times that parents will talk about how difficult it is to get their kids to sleep because of their addiction, and there is no other word for it, their addiction to social media and to their devices. And look, there there was some research that came... This is, again, I've got a lot of great friends that are tied up in research, and they're particularly brilliant. But I always say, what are the practicalities of it? So there was some brilliant research came out, the AIS and some other places years ago, that said. Look, what you got to do is you got to say to all the kids, you've got to turn off all your electronic devices. Wait for it, mate. One hour, one hour before the kids want to go to sleep. Now that sounds brilliant, and the research might strongly support that. However, as a parent, mate, good luck with that. Good luck with getting them to turn it off five minutes before they want to go to sleep. Let alone one hour before. So it's 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 important that parents first of all, understand that that we know that social media and we know that electronic devices, we know that the way the kids are using them right up to the point where their eyelids drop is affecting the quality and the quantity of sleep. The research is very consistent on that. It then is a parenting behaviour issue. It's not a scientific issue. It's not a gimmick. It's a parenting issue where you have to physically go and say, turn off your phone. And have, if you have to, take it off them. And you're doing it not because you're a horrible, nasty, cranky parent. You're doing it because the importance of their quality and quantity of sleep is paramount because it will affect their relationships, their school performance, and their athletic performance. And I can't put any heart of that. Mate, I still have fights with my 19-year-old, 16-year-old, and increasingly now, unfortunately, my 13-year-old, around about that crazy time, 9, 9.30, 10 o'clock at night and we've had the talk about the benefits of sleep and the importance of getting quality sleep, but it's almost a wrestling match between me and the kids and the mobile devices in the middle. But you have to persist, parents. Do not give up on this one. The only exception would be as if they've got some sort of sleep uh, enhancing app. I, there's one that I use quite often. I recommend to people called Calm. I have no commercial connection with it. I just think it works really well. Calm.com, C-A-L-M.com. There's meditation and background music and frogs chirping in a stream and waves and whale sound. and it's There's all that stuff. There's guided meditation. You can get a free version and then you can pay for the more advanced version if you're really into it. So if they want to have their devices on, great. Show them and encourage them how to use an app like Calm or like some of the others where they're listening to Calm. They're, they're maybe learning mindfulness techniques where they're learning meditation. Uh, they're learning simple anxiety, depression management techniques. All that's available. And if they're using their phones for that, fantastic. If they're using them to text Susie or Johnny or, or Bob about what they're doing tomorrow or what their hair color is likely to be in the next few days, Parents, you've got to jump in and stop it.
1: Just back to the elite sport, uh, and I was um, had my attention drawn to a, an article about Steve Smith yesterday uh, during the Ashes during this year where he was just so... Incredible. Uh, he apparently really struggled to sleep. He he was lucky. He reckoned that if he got three or four hours a night during a test match, it didn't seem to affect him too much. So are there examples where, and, and a lot of sports people, I'm sure, to dovetail into another question, find it difficult to sleep the night before a big game, Wayne. So so what is the best strategy there?
0: Yeah, it, it comes down again, mate, as always, is when you're at that level, is knowing what it takes for you to perform at your best. I've, I've seen that's a very common story. I remember different times being involved with teams, being up at 4 o'clock in the morning going for walks and seeing players up doing things and stretching, or I can remember being in the Olympic Village once, uh, certainly in Athens, and uh, struggling to sleep myself with a lot of things on and people sending me information. With the time difference being up fairly late and seeing athletes over in the dining hall, at two, three, four o'clock in the morning, not particularly eating very much, but just sitting and talking and and unwinding and trying to relax by talking to other people. So I've seen a lot of that sort of stuff happening. And then you've got to know what works for you. We have this thing called the Olympic crash mate, which is what will happen is that that athletes are able to keep themselves up. They're able to just work and, and, and they're in that readiness state for three, four or five days up to a couple of weeks. But, man, you got to see them at the end of the games. They absolutely crash. They bomb for sometimes weeks at an end because they've, they've just figured out a way that keeps them on edge and gives them an advantage during the competition or during the Olympic period in Olympic sport case. But everybody, even the coaches, have this this incredible total crash immediately afterwards when your body says, all right, I did the job, now it's time to unwind. Not recommended, though, for junior athletes. If they're going to a three-, four-, five-day national championships, they need to get in the habit of learning how to manage their sleep environment when they're away from home. And we teach kids very, very simple techniques. When you go away, remember that you could be in a room with two or three other athletes. Take your own pillow because it smells like you it smells like your room. It's a nice, comfortable feeling to sink into your own pillow in a hotel. Take earplugs so if the person in the next bed uh, snores and burps and talks and watches TV, you don't hear it. And take eye shades so the room is dark. So we know if you've got quiet, if you've got dark, and you've got comfortable, chances are you've laid the foundations for pretty good sleep to begin with, regardless of where you are or who else is in the room.
1: A couple of questions thrown on text, uh, Wayne. I, I believe this to be true. Is there a link between um, healthy sleeping patterns? and weight uh, weight loss or burning calories?
0: Yeah, there's a whole bunch of stuff on the internet. There's a great series of articles I've just been reading on the impact of things like cortisol on weight loss and then the impact of good sleep on cortisol. So the idea being that your cortisol is a hormone that indicates stress, that if you're not sleeping well, that, that the cortisol hormone tends to, according to some research I was just reading, believe it or not, this morning, that cortisol stays high that then has a huge effect on, on not weight gain, but the inability to lose weight. That is definitely a, an element of it. It's, a, it's, again, one of those things which is uh, very integrated, so you've got to have an holistic approach to it. So you might have great sleep in in terms of when you go to bed, but the quality of that sleep isn't conducive of you relaxing completely, de-stressing, and uh, it doesn't have a, a general restorative effect that, that you would hope it would and you know you can have problems with certainly losing weight maintaining weight but then mate, there's other issues around that like caffeine use dehydration temperature of the room alcohol consumption there's a whole bunch of other things there but i'd encourage the person who sent the text in to look up cortisol sleep and stress in combination and do some reading in those areas
1: and what about uh, the the a general rule of thumb for how many hours you need a night. I mean, we always hear, you know, you could get eight hours. uh, That seems like a pretty good base. But do we need less sleep as we get older?
0: It seems to be the research is fairly consistent, mate, that once you get into, you know, like you in your 60s, that um, (laughs) once you get a little bit older, that you don't need quite as much sleep. And that's because I think a lot of metabolic processes have slowed down Uh, You're maybe not quite so active. There's certainly not a lot of growth and development going on. The the research is fairly solid on that. At the same time, we know that one of the most brilliant things I've I've read fairly recently is how, and I'm not a big fan of Scandinavian research normally because it's Northern Hemisphere, small countries, uh, you know, six months, seven months of the year in very much winter conditions, but some interesting research, that psychiatrist friend of mine put me on to is they're even talking about starting school at 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock in the morning for teenagers so they can get more sleep. Because the way they're wired is they, they, Their brains are really active. The way that they work in our know, mid-teens, particularly if you've got kids in their mid-teens, you know, their brains are absolutely fired at 10, 11 o'clock at night. They're driving you mad. They won't turn off the TV. And they, they're they up doing things at 10, 11 o'clock at night, but then you can't get them out of bed at 7 o'clock to get on the bus. And there's some very, very good work being done, particularly in Europe, saying, all right, well, then instead of trying to force these kids to do things that they're biologically not really capable of doing... Why don't we change the school morning instead of starting at 7.30, 8 o'clock? Why doesn't it start at 10.30 and 11 and have the school day finish a bit later so they can get more sleep? And we as an education system become more in tune to their biological needs rather than forcing them into the education system. Really innovative, progressive work, but don't be surprised if it catches on, certainly maybe initially in some of the private schools, and then maybe a little bit further down the line, maybe a little bit more broader in uh, in the community.
1: Well, I want to tell people about your new uh, ebook shortly but uh, but we've uh, as usual uh, used up our allocation of time and it's uh, gone past uh, pretty quick even though we were talking about sleeping. Uh, mate it's been such a pleasure to have you on the radio every every week during the year. we'll give you December off as you uh, as you plot and plan for 2020. Uh, we really hope that we can get you back in uh, in a regular time slot when. 2020 rolls around. But on behalf of all our listeners who always respond with such positivity to what you bring to the radio station, thank you very much for being part of our show this year.
0: Thank you very much, mate. Have a wonderful Christmas New Year period. Can't wait to come
1: back next year. Good on you, mate. Wayne Goldsmith.
0: Thanks for listening. If you'd like to hear more sports thoughts, subscribe to our newsletter at wgcoaching.com.